0: And have a seat. Good morning. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here at Redeemer, and I want to invite you to open up your Bible to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16. Luke 16 is where we're going to be today, and so whether you're here in the worship center or you're joining us online, I want to invite you to get that Bible open in front of you so you can follow right along with us as we get into God's Word together. And as you're getting there to Luke 16, I want to just open with a quick survey. Uh, By show of hands, how many of you enjoy sitting down with a good book and just reading? You call yourselves a reader. Yeah, some of you. (laughs) How many of you love movies? Yeah. Yeah. It's a mix, like some of us are readers, some of us are more movies. Okay, last question. How many of you love to hear a good story? Yeah, and if you didn't put your hand up, you're probably just not paying attention to me, actually. That was a ruse to try and see who's paying attention. No, we are, as human beings, we love stories. Like, it's just baked into our DNA. God designed us that way. Like, we love to hear stories. We love to tell stories. We learn from stories, we remember stories. And if you've been around church world for any amount of time or are somewhat familiar with your Bible, you know that Jesus often taught using stories, which we call parables. And so Jesus would tell a story about just an everyday thing that people could understand and relate to, but he was teaching them in the midst of that, this profound truth. And so that's why I am so excited that this Sunday today is the first of a six-part series where we're going to explore the parables of Jesus. Each week, a different parable. And so um, we thought it would be appropriate to start with a definition of what a parable is. We wanted to come up with a, a simple definition that helps us to remember a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And the parables of Jesus, they cause us to think And they teach us in a way, they teach us about this profound heavenly truth in a way that causes us to understand it and to personalize it and to remember it. And so an example is, uh, a lawyer came up to Jesus one time and he said, "Um, who's my neighbor? Because he was responding to the commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm sure he would have Loved for Jesus to give him a very uh, good definition. He was a lawyer, by you know, so tell me what that is and what it isn't. And Jesus didn't give him a definition. Jesus instead told him the parable of the Good Samaritan. And as a result, we know we now can apply that commandment in a way that we can relate to, in a way that's very personal, in a way that's very memorable because we know that story. And so today we're going to open this series not with that parable, we're going to open with the parable of the dishonest manager. And this is a parable that you may have read before and got done reading and said, I don't know what I'm supposed to learn from that. That's a bit odd. And that was certainly the case for me. I mean, personally, people have asked me about this parable in the past and I have struggled to give a good answer, a confident answer of exactly what we're being taught from this parable. I thought, hey, what better than to preach on this parable? But God has been so good this week. I've enjoyed so much studying this and better understanding this, and I'm excited to share with you today um, this parable. So let's start by reading the text. Uh, We're gonna read it together. We'll read the entire text, I'll pray, and then we'll go back and begin to unpack it. So we're in Luke 16, starting in verse one. He also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management for you can no longer be manager. The manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? He said, "A 100 measures of wheat." He said to him, take your bill and write 80. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the parables, Lord, the way you teach us in a way that uh, can just settle deep into our souls, Lord. Father, I'm just praying that you would open our hearts and our minds for what you have for us today, Lord. I would pray more of you, less of me, Lord. Help me just to disappear behind the text here, Father. I wanna be true to the text, Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Use this time today to teach all of us, Lord, all for your glory. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, well, let's dig into this parable here and see what's going on. So we're gonna go back to verse one. Let me reread verse one for us. He also said to the disciples, so Jesus is speaking to his disciples here. There was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. Okay, so let's set the context for the parable. There's two characters we've been introduced to. The first one is called the rich man. And this is the guy who owns uh, businesses and possessions and money. Um, he's later in the parable called the master. He's gonna be called the master a couple of times. So I'm gonna just refer to him as the master going forward. And the master has somebody working for him called the manager. That's the second person in this story. The manager, is his role is to manage those businesses and those possessions and the wealth of the master. Okay, he is not an owner of those things. He is a steward of those things. Those things belong to the master. His job is to manage them for him. And a report has come to the master that this guy is not doing his job well. The report says that this man was wasting his possessions. Again, he's not wasting his own possessions. He's wasting the possessions of his master. He is not performing his job well. He's being irresponsible in his role. Let's continue. Verse two, and he called him and he said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig and I am ashamed to beg. So the master calls him in, he said, I've got this report about what you're doing, you're being irresponsible and so by the way, you're fired, you're done. And he says, turn in an account of your management. It almost sounds like, give me your side of the story, but I don't think that's what he's saying because he turns around and says, for you can no longer be manager, you're done. Think what he's telling him is, you need to go out and get the books, get those together, close everything up, get it all together and bring that back to me because we're handing it off to somebody else who can take care of this. And you can hear desperation in the manager's voice as he's now saying, what am I gonna do? Like, this is all I know. I'm not physically able to do the manual labor. I don't wanna beg. I'm not sure what I'm gonna do at this point. Verse four, I've decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. Okay, he's got a plan now. Suddenly he's thinking, okay, what do I need to do now to ensure I'm gonna be taken care of in the future? He's making plans now for being taken care of in the future. Apparently, he doesn't even have a place to live, or he's not sure where he's gonna live. He needs a place to go, so he's planning ahead here. Okay, let's see what the plan is. What's he gonna do? Verse five, so summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said, take, to, he says, take your bill, sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe he said 100 measures of wheat, he said to him, take your bill and write 80, so what's going on here? Well, the manager starts calling in all these debtors to his master, one by one, he gives two examples here, I'm sure there's more, and he's calling him in one by one, and he's saying, um, hey, how much do you owe him? He's like, I owe him a 100, he goes like, hey, um, take that and write 50. Like, what, 50, yeah, just do it, just do it. Man, that's awesome, you're being so generous, what can I do for you? Uh, nothing. We might talk about that later. All right? The next guy in, how much do you owe? I owe 100. Um, write, write 80 on there. We'll be good. So this is what he's doing. Look, he is suddenly, he is planning ahead. He knows that he's going to need a place to stay. So he's being very generous with resources that belong to his master and earning the favor of these other people so that they will welcome into into their homes when this is all said and done. He's planning ahead, and it's so interesting that he's being fired for being irresponsible. He clearly wasn't paying attention to the money so much before. Now, suddenly, he is. Something switched here. All right, so how is the master going to respond to this? Because he's getting ready to find out. He finds out somehow. We don't know how. He finds out what's happened, and how is he going to respond? Verse 8, the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. All right, so this is one of the reasons why this parable can be difficult to understand. You're like, what? Like he just got ripped off and he's commending him. What are we supposed to do with that? Well, let me be clear about one thing. Jesus says that the manager was dishonest. He's very clear. The actions the manager took were dishonest. Jesus describes him as, here, the dishonest manager. In fact, that's the first time he calls him dishonest. At this point, all we know that he is, is that he has been irresponsible. So we don't know if he's been dishonest before. He's been irresponsible. He's wasted possessions. That's why he lost his job. But now, he's taken this action that was dishonest. This was not right. But what is he being commended for? He's being commended for his shrewdness. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. So what are we supposed to do with that? I think we need to stop and, 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 and uh, define what does it mean to be shrewd? Because that's a term we know, but we don't use it in our everyday language. So what does it mean to be shrewd? So definition of shrewd, astute, or clever in a very practical way. It almost has a sneaky connotation to it a little bit, but it's a cleverness in a very practical way. So basically the master has called him in and he said, hey, like you stole from me, and by the way, you're still fired? But what you did, I gotta give you credit. That was pretty clever. That was pretty clever. The master is commending him for taking action now in planning for the future. And you gotta wonder, if you're the master, are you thinking, man, if you could applied that earlier to my possessions and looked out for my best interest, that would have been pretty good and you might still have a job. Because clearly in this scheme that he did, he wasn't serving his master, he was serving himself and all of that. But he's being commended for the shrewdness that he had. Now this is where the parable ends here. The parable officially ends at this point. But now Jesus is going to begin to share with us some of the lessons that come from this story. So we're still in verse eight. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. Jesus says, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. So what is he saying there? Okay, the sons, when he says the sons of this this world. Think about the sons of this age. Think this is, he's basically saying the people of this world who aren't believers, not, people who are not following Jesus. Okay, these people actually are more shrewd than you believers and how they use money and resources to plan for the future. And there's something that you have to learn from them. He's getting ready to tell us what it is that we're to learn. Verse 9. And I tell you, again, Jesus look in the eyes of his disciples here, and I tell you, Make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. All right, this is another verse where we say, what exactly is he telling us here? I mean, Jesus, are you telling me to start using money to like, win friends and influence people? Like, is that what this is telling us? Okay, let's, let's unpack what he's telling us. This is a, this is a crucial verse here. Uh, let me just give you the first point in your outline because what he's telling us here is he's telling us to be generous with the money that God has entrusted to you. Be generous with the money God has entrusted to you. Now, let me show you where I get that from the text because I want to make sure you see it here. Verse nine. First thing is to look at that term unrighteous wealth. It sounds like we're supposed to use money that we've earned somehow in a dishonest way. What is this unrighteous wealth? What I would tell you is he's talking here just about earthly money and earthly possessions. See, that word wealth, um, that's actually the word mammon, which is always translated money, it's typically translated money and possessions, and he's calling it unrighteous wealth because I think he's differentiating this earthly wealth and earthly money from what he'll later call true riches, like heavenly riches. So he's just making a differentiation here. So when you see unrighteous wealth, think, think money and possessions that we have here on this earth. So Jesus said, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of money. Well, how do we make friends for ourselves with money? Well, we're generous with it. Think about the example of the manager. The manager was very generous with his master's resources in order to make friends for himself. There was a generosity, why? Verse nine, continue, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. See, Jesus is saying, There's something bigger going on here when you decide to share or invest or spend your money. There's eternal implications of what you're doing, not just what you see going on around you. These eternal dwellings, he has in mind here heaven. Okay, he's speaking about heaven. He said there's eternal implications for what you decide to do with your money. Now, before we go further, I wanna emphasize one thing. What this is not telling us It is not telling us that by being generous and giving money away, you're gonna earn your way in or buy your way into heaven, as absolutely would be the wrong thing to take away from this. That would be counter to everything the Bible tells us. We don't earn our way into heaven, we don't earn our way into a right standing with God. It's by God's grace alone, through faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's how that happens. So that's not the right lesson to take from this. But what Jesus is saying, as he said, he's saying, hey, look at the example of the manager. He was generous with his master's resources in order to win friends that will later welcome him into their homes. He's saying, You all, be generous with your master's resources. Remember the money and possessions we have? It belongs to the Lord, not to us. It's his. Be generous with those things and sharing with others because someday, you're going to get welcomed into heaven, and there's going to be people there welcoming you in, and you, they've been impacted by your generosity in ways that you have no idea. And that's going to be an awesome day for you. That's what he's telling us to do. And so sometimes I think we can fall into this pattern where we decide, okay, I'm going to start, I'm going to give money to the church, I'm going to help support the church, and, and, and we set it up on our automatic giving, and that's coming out of our account. And, We want to uh, support a local ministry, and we set that up, and it's coming out of our account. And we want to support a missionary that we've met. It's over in Asia, and we've got that coming out of the account. And those are all, those are good things, and that's a good way to set that up. But sometimes we can kind of forget about that. It kind of goes into the background. I'm not even sure exactly how they're using that money. And what Jesus is saying is like, when you decide to do that, when you decide to be generous at that, there's eternal implications that you may not know until you arrive. So let's think about that for a minute. Let's just pause for a minute and say, what might that look like? So imagine yourself, you are walking into heaven and there's people there. They're just like, ah, we're so glad you're here. And somebody comes up to you and says, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but you and I went to church together and I was a middle schooler, you were an adult, but it was in the time of COVID. And all the camps around the country had shut down because of that. So our church decided to put on a summer camp locally for middle school and high schoolers. And I wanted to tell you like at that camp, God got a hold of my heart, and I gave my life to Jesus, and I got baptized, and I just want to thank you for the generosity that you showed that allowed that church to put on a camp. And then a woman comes up to you, and she says, you don't know me, but I grew up in a remote village in Cambodia, and we just had some different spiritual things going on, and one day, a missionary walked into our village and began to build relationships. He shared the gospel with us and I eventually gave my life to Christ. I just wanna thank you that you were generous enough to support that missionary that walked into our village that day. Or maybe a young man comes up to you and says, you absolutely don't know me. I grew up in inner city Indianapolis in a very difficult situation, a lot of trauma in my home. Somehow got plugged into an after school program at Shepherd Community Center where people showed me the love of Jesus and I didn't treat those people very well. But I heard the gospel. I eventually gave my life to Christ. Thank you for the generosity in supporting that ministry. That's the kind of stuff he's saying. Be shrewd, be generous, share what God has entrusted us because he's using it with eternal purposes. Now, I want to acknowledge some of you may be sitting here today and you're just feeling like, I get that. But like generosity right now is the furthest thing from my mind because just the season we're in, God's not entrusted us with a lot right now. The job situation is this. This kind of thing has hit our family. We're just trying to survive. So that's just where we're at. And so I get that. You're in that place right now, but you also could be over here. Some of you are like, man, God has just really blessed us in this season. We've, he's just given us the ability to create wealth and, and we're giving it away, praise the Lord, we're giving away a certain percentage and we're excited about that. And, and so we feel like we've got that, like, okay, check the box on that. And so whether you find yourself here or whether you find yourself over here, see, Jesus has got more for us here. He's not done teaching us from this. And so let's look at what he's getting ready to show us here, verse 10. Jesus says, one who is faithful and very little, is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. Now, we know this to be true, right? When you start a new job, you know you can't be CEO first day, even if you want to be. Like, we have to, we get small responsibilities that we demonstrate faithfulness in before you get bigger responsibilities. It's kind of how life works, and we have to be reminded here that we are just stewards like, we're like the manager. The stuff that we have isn't really our stuff. It's actually God's. He has entrusted that to us. He's given us a certain amount of money and possessions to manage. We're just stewards. And So the question is, are we being faithful with that or are we being irresponsible with it? Because remember, the manager, the dishonest manager was fired because he was being irresponsible in managing it. Jesus goes on, if then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you true riches? He's saying, if you've not been faithful with this money that you've got on this earth, who's gonna give you true riches, heavenly rewards someday? He goes on, and if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? That which is another's is what God has entrusted to us to use for our short time here on this earth. Why would he entrust you more? if you can't handle what he's given you here. These are challenging words from Jesus here. And that leads us to the second point in our outline today. Be faithful with the money that God has entrusted to you. Be faithful with the money that God has entrusted to you. And I get that word right there in those verses. Verse 10, one who is faithful with very little is also faithful in much. So we need to pause here and say, what does it look like? Because faithful is a great word. Okay, like, okay, I get it. I want to be faithful with that. But like, what does that practically look like as we're talking about our spending decisions and investment and money and sharing, dealing with money and position? What does faithfulness look like? Well, let me give you a couple of things to think about here. Let me give you a couple of things for us to consider to say, am I being a faithful steward of God's money? Okay, first thing is that we can do to be a faithful steward of God's money is we need to recognize that faithfulness applies to all of it, whether little or much. Okay, so no matter how much you've been given, God expects faithfulness. So you may feel like I've got a little slice of pie. Somebody else is like I got kind of a bigger slice of pie. He expects faithfulness no matter what he has entrusted to you at this season of your life, and it's all of it. So sometimes we want to be well, we want to be careful that we don't fall into that trap of thinking, okay, here's I'm. I'm giving a certain percentage away to the Lord. And maybe you're at a point where you're, like, you're giving 10%. Okay, 10%, Lord, that's yours. I'm so, I love being faithful with that. The other 90%, that's mine. I get to decide what to do with that. And God is saying, no, 100% is mine. Like, how would you feel if you called your financial manager and said, hey, how's that money doing that I entrusted you? He's like, hey, 10% is rocking. The other 90%, I'm living pretty good. <laughs> Like, we wouldn't be happy with that. God has said, I've given some to you, some to you, more here, less here. I want faithfulness with all of it. We need to look at all of it as his, all right? We're managing it. We're stewards for him. The second thing that I want to share, being a faithful steward of God's money involves asking the right questions before using money. Asking the right questions before we make money decisions. What are those right questions that we might ask in making a money decision? Well, one of them could be, like before I spend this money, can I afford it? That's a great question to ask. Can I afford it? But that's not what I have in mind. I have in mind a little bit of a more challenging, maybe higher question. And again, this are, these, are, these are questions that you would ask yourself, not just the money I'm giving away, but all that other money before I spend it. One question we might ask ourselves is this. Am I making this money decision with an eternal perspective? Am I seeing it beyond what's just happening here and what I'm getting ready to get or own or buy? Am I looking at it from an eternal perspective? As Jesus, when he turned that story, he said, he's talking about eternity. There's implications in eternity. Am I thinking about the eternal implications of that? Another question. Is the the thing that I'm getting ready to buy, how will it help The world see that Jesus is my treasure. Or maybe this one, how is the money I'm getting ready to invest going to give glory to God? See, those are big questions. And they apply to everything. Like, even to where I shop for my groceries, yeah, they could apply there too. And we we don't want to get just bogged down in these, but these are kind of the big questions to say, am I being faithful at a large level with what God has entrusted to me, whether how little or how much? Am I looking at it from an eternal standpoint, and am I looking at all of it as what he's entrusted to me? So Jesus had been very clear. He's like, you've been given some worldly wealth that belongs to the Lord, be generous with it, and be faithful with it. So why do we struggle with that? Because we do. Money tends to get the best of us. Well, Jesus is gonna tell us why. Verse 13, he says, no servant can serve two masters. He'll either hate the one and love the other, or he'll devote it to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You know, the manager in our story, he was not serving his master. I, I, don't, I think he was serving himself. Maybe he was serving money. Maybe he was serving, you know, prestige or reputation, but he definitely wasn't serving his master. You know, Jesus couldn't be more clear right here. He says you cannot serve God and money. He doesn't say you should not. He doesn't say, if you try serving both, you're going to sub-optimize each one. He says, you cannot. It's impossible. And look at these contrasting words he uses. He says, you'll hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Like, I don't want to despise God. If I'm serving money, that might be the case. So point number three in our outline today is serve God and not the money that he's entrusted to you. Serve God and not the money he's entrusted to you. Which brings us to a really big question. Am I serving money? Because if you are, according to Jesus, you're not serving God. Like, am I serving money or is money serving me? Have I mastered money or has money mastered me? And before we just brush by that, because it can be easy to think about that and say, no, nah, no, no, I love the Lord. Money is not, I'm not serving money. It's a tool in my hand. It's okay. But let's just pause for a minute because it's so important because of the words of Jesus. You cannot serve God in money. So let's consider this for a minute. What are some ways that I might be serving money? What are some ways that you can test I might be serving money? Okay. Number one, am I hoarding it? Am I hoarding it? Jesus said, use your money generously. He's like, use it generously, earn friends, it has eternal implications. Now, there is a place for thoughtful and prudent saving. Like, I'm a big advocate of that, so I'm not saying that. But that is different than hoarding. Am I tending to hoard? But no, no, I'm careful, I'm safe, I need to be planning, we don't know what's gonna happen. At what some point it becomes hoarding, if you're in that area, you might, not be, you might be serving money. A second thing, if you're not actively managing it. So this can be counterintuitive, and you say like, hey, money doesn't bother me. In fact, I don't even think about it. Like, I don't care about it that much. I just make sure I got enough in my account, and, and I, I, I'm just not good at that stuff. I don't like managing that stuff. But remember, we are stewards. We are managers of what God has entrusted to us. And if we're not actively managing it, I guarantee it is managing you and you don't even know it if I'm not actively managing at all, I might be serving money. A third one is giving excessive attention to it. This is the opposite end of the spectrum of what I just said. Like, does my money and my investments keep me up at night? Does my mood swing with the swings of the market? Am I watching my investments every hour, every day? Man, I might be serving money. Class dismissed. Last one is, am I using it exclusively for my own pleasure and my own comfort? Man, I'm preaching this to myself here, y'all, because comfort is like one that I love comfort. And it's not just comfort in things, sometimes it's just comfort in savings. I need to just keep putting it away, because it makes me feel more comfortable. But if we're ex- using it exclusively for that, it means we're not sharing, we're not being generous with that. It's serving, uh, we're, it's not serving us, we're serving it. And we just gotta be careful. Am I serving? my money, or am I truly serving God? Because we can't do both. Jesus said we're not gonna be able to do both. Well, as we wrap this up, uh, I wanna invite you to go ahead and stand here as we finish this up. And so we wanna be make sure that we're serving God and not money, but you're not gonna serve God unless you're in relationship with God, unless you see him as your greatest treasure unless you see him as your good and heavenly father. And you won't be in relationship with God without Jesus Christ. And so Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, all of us have broken our relationship with the Lord. All of us have been sinful, we've rebelled. We are not in relationship with him. But God so loved the world that he sent his only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see, Jesus went to a cross to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could stand righteous before the Lord, not because of anything that we've done, only because of God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. When we give our lives to Christ, when we call out to the Lord and say, forgive me for my sins, it's not anything we earn, it's just his grace that he pours out on us. We sung about it today. Every song we sang, the gospel is throughout those songs, yet not I, but Christ in me. It's him. And if you haven't done that, if there's any doubt in your mind that you have a relationship with the Heavenly Father, like I would plead for you, do not wait, surrender, just call out to the Lord. If you're sitting at home, you're with friends, you're in here, call out to the Lord. Lord, I need you. Forgive me, save me through Jesus Christ. I don't care what you've been through or what you've done. God is ready to do that. I would plead for you to do that. And when you come into a relationship with the Lord, you will see him as the good and faithful and trustworthy and loving father that he is. And when you're in that kind of a relationship with the Lord and you're serving him because he is trustworthy and good, you'll use the money he's entrusted to you faithfully. You'll give it away generously, all for the benefit of others and for the glory of God. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for this time together. We're grateful for your word. We're grateful for Jesus. And Lord, just do a work in us. Lord, you've entrusted to us money. Money is not evil, but money can get us into traps. We don't manage it well, Lord. And so, Father, may we just be serving you. May we have our eyes on you. May we have our eyes on eternity. Then guide us in decisions we make about our money, because we don't want to be mastered by it, Lord. We want to master it. We want to use it for your glory. We wanna use it for the kingdom, Father. We need your help with that, because we will just fail on our own. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this teaching, Lord. And just, Lord, may everything we do each and every day, whether it's with money, with our relationships, with our jobs, may we do it all for your glory, and we pray it in the precious name of Jesus Christ, amen. Well, Redeemer, as you make your way out today, we encourage you to make your way all the way out. We need to clean this place, and gather together, but out on the sidewalk, and you are loved and you are sent. Have a great week.